On this edition of the Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by NBC Sports Chicago, James DeVoe and myself, Tim Stebbins, talk about the Eric Hosmer edition, Tucker Barnhart and how he aligns with the Cubs offseason maneuverings, and the Rafael Devers extension with the Red Sox. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Let's play two. Welcome in to another edition of the Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by NBC Sports Chicago, NBCSportsChicago.com. I'm Tim Stebbins. To my right is James DeVoe, Tony Gill, Claire Philby at the controls. James, episode 2.0. Yeah. Uh, or two of Cubs Talk 2.0. Yeah. I was going to say lots of twos involved in this. Yeah. Too many twos. How are you doing, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Just... uh Got done with the other gig, I suppose we'll call Blackhawks talk nowadays. So excited to change gears. Lots of stuff going on with the Northsiders. Lots more uh, positive stuff, I'd say, than Blackhawks right now, just from a wins and losses perspective. But yeah, a lot of a lot of cool topics to talk about today. You're right. Um, been a eventful week. And if you've been on Cubs Twitter, it's been... <laughs> Well, any any week on Cubs Twitter is eventful. That's true. Uh, you're you're not wrong. Yeah. Um. I guess we'll start here then. I mean, the the news of Wednesday, the Cubs have a new first baseman. They they've agreed to a deal with Eric Hosmer. Um. Obviously, the Cubs has, have not yet announced that, pending physical and all the formalities of that. But yeah. it's going to be a for the league minimum. Um. San Diego after they traded him to Boston last year. And then because Boston released him, they're on the hook for the rest of Hosmer's salary. Yep. Three years, 39 million. So the Cubs got him for the league minimum, 720K or so. Um, what were your thoughts on this move? What was your initial reaction? Uh, I think my knee-jerk reaction to it was obviously seeing him bounce around from team to team. You kind of realize that some of the things that were true about him when he signed the big deal, like being a gold glove caliber defender, we can argue about whether or not all those gold gloves were warranted. That kind of stuff is in the rearview mirror, and you kind of have to be really careful to focus on what he does now. And what it seems like he does now is two things. One, he gives you some runway. I know there's been a lot of talk about Matt Mervis potentially having the ability to come in here and play first base out of spring training. I'm not sure how accurate that is. We'll have to see once they kind of report to Mesa whether or not they're going to try to really give him a shot or maybe give him a little more seasoning in the minors. I know we made a lot of progress last season. Didn't really struggle anywhere he went in their system. I think that's really important to keep in mind. But this is definitely a move to me that screams A, you want to give Mervis that runway if he's not going to be here on opening day. But B, 
if if Mervis is, there still might be a place for Hosmer just based on some of his splits from last season. I think you and I talked about it. Was a reverse split guy, hit way better against lefties than righties. So it's kind of interesting that that's going to be the dynamic. And then you would assume Mervis would probably play mostly against right-handed pitchers in that situation. I just think having a guy like that who has that reputation, has that those stats, and then also apparently from what we've seen from uh, his teammates in San Diego – generally a fairly popular guy in the locker room in the clubhouse. I know there's been a lot of kind of back and forth on that, but I think that that element of it can't be overlooked either that you need kind of more veterans to have that buy-in with a young team like the Cubs are going to be fielding this season. So I think that the sum of all of that and getting it for the major league minimum, I've seen some weeping and gnashing of teeth about this deal and people upset probably that it's not a Trey Mancini. I think the move is fine. Like that's, and that should be honestly the barrier for a, a league minimum move is that it's fine. It is fine. Um, I think you're right. Like of the the reactions on Twitter have been surprising. I guess um, I think for one, Eric Hosmer for you know whatever you think about him, uh, they're better at first base than they were last year. And I know that's not the highest bar to clear, but. <laughs> You mean you mean the Frank Schwindel bar? Is that the respectfully like what yeah. they got out of their first base production? Mm-hmm. Alfonso Rivas too. Like like offensively, he he was around league average last year. And and you're, this is coming from a guy me who I was pro- a proponent for them going out and getting Trey Mancini because he hits for more power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially after you lose Wilson Contreras, you you need more power. But he's offensively. He was similar to Mancini last year in terms of like OPS plus. He, he was above a little bit above league average overall. Yeah. Um, we talked about it. He's costing them nothing. And I don't think, like, unless you want them to get to Jose Abreu and you're mad that they didn't, I can understand that. Sure. But after that, and especially with who's left, they were always going to get a first baseman, at least in my eyes. <clears throat> like, you talk about the Mervis factor and kind of easing the pressure and expectations on him. I think this move is fine in that regard. Mm-hmm. And, at the least, it elevates where that position from what it was. And it doesn't block Matt Mervis. Not at all. I think that's like something that all these things are what's kind of tripping people up. Like I'd say this. It cost them nothing. At the least, compared to what you had, and they had no 40 men, they had no first base on their 40 men roster. So now they do. And I yep. think Hosmer's like contract is getting to people's head with San Diego. Like whatever people think about that contract, like take that take that away from the equation. And he's been solid, I'd say, with San Diego. Mm-hmm. And and like we're talking about, this doesn't block Matt Mervis. I think Matt Mervis in spring training will get a long look. Mm-hmm. And if he if he uh, really really shows out and presses the Cubs, like that's going to be a decision to make. Like teams can be incentivized for bringing up these kind of prospects, rookies under the new CBA. So if Mervis performs, you can. There's a way to put them both on there. If not, you get you buy some more time and. and call him up in May, maybe. I do think the one kind of reasonable component to some of the criticism that's been levied against the Hosmer deal is that where have the Cubs focused a lot of their efforts on this offseason? It's been improving their defense. They, Cody Bellinger is a plus defender in center field. A lot of folks have said Tucker Barnhart, there are some metrics that show he's a pretty solid uh, catcher behind the plate. Pitch framing, we'll get into that a little bit later, I think, but the idea, and then Dansby Swanson, of course, you have a really solid Solid defensive team up the middle of the field. You've still got, you know, Ian Happ in left field, won a gold glove last season. Eric Hosmer, everyone will say four gold gloves. 
he's not a he's not that defender anymore b not all of those gold gloves were earned they were kind of reputation based if we're being 100 percent honest here do you worry at all about his first base defense being a potential uh, hindrance because of the fact you've focused so hard on defense around the rest of the diamond I don't want to I don't want to understate the importance of defense in any position. I would say that like if you were going to have below average defense at any position, first base would be one that would be the one I would pick. Mm-hmm. I guess like you want to have good defense up the middle, good third baseman, um outfield like cutting down, you know, runners uh all around the bases. Sure. And I, and I don't think anyone can play first base. And and for what it's worth, like you're talking about Hosmer last year, minus five defensive runs saved. Alfonso Rivas uh, had six. And Alfonso Rivas played about 200 less innings over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't worry about it. And I don't, like I said, I don't want to understate like all defense. Every position def- defense is important. But um, if that if Eric Hosmer is their quote-unquote worst defender, yeah, it's at a position that, typically is you can get away with it there for sure and i think you're yes i think another thing too is we we've been so spoiled here for a good this is a good thing with with anthony rizzo and what he did for years Mm -hmm. anthony rizzo is one of the best defensive first basemen at least with his time here obviously i was gonna say with the yankees last season i was looking at some of those metrics and seeing hosmer near the bottom of the run save categories anthony rizzo was even lower than him last year he had a really rough season defensively for the yankees right so i mean when anthony rizzo was here we yeah. were he was one of the best in baseball obviously had uh gold glove uh platinum glove yeah you put well, some respect on that put some respect on it <laughs> so like he he did that here can't take anything away from that i got eric Hosmer. if he's a minus five minus three whatever defensive run saved like okay um yeah at the end of the day too I mean, there is a DH component to this. Like, I don't know. I don't know if Matt Mervis. I feel like there's been talk about there about like we know Matt Mervis has the bat. Some random scouting report people will be like, oh, the defense. I don't know, but um, I think also some people have said he's more athletic over there than people give him credit for. And my whole point in saying all this is that you have a DH. So if one is better than the other, you can you can kind of. But yeah. that around, I guess. And you, and you could definitely platoon them, too, because of those reverse splits, I think. I think that's something the Cubs definitely kind of took into consideration when they signed Eric Hosmer. Do you think, does this deal to you preclude them from going out and getting anybody else? Like, if they still wanted to get a Mancini, if they were like, look, we are going to start with Mervis in AAA. We'll see what Mancini needs. This team still needs power. It still needs additional bats in the lineup. It doesn't preclude them from doing any of that to me because of the fact they signed him for league minimum. They can still assign that money elsewhere, and I think that's still a position whether you're going to go with Mancini or I'm going to throw Gary Sanchez out there just because of his hitting ability. Like I know that's probably not like the sexiest move they can possibly make, but it's at least available there, and they still have the money to do it. I don't think... I don't think adding Eric Cosmer precludes them from anything. Um, like we talk about DH possibilities with Mervis slash Hosmer. If Mervis were to make the opening day roster, um, the DH is a position, position that Cubs like to have flexibility with anyway. Well, Gary Sanchez would also give them a de facto third catcher on the roster too, which I know a lot of teams like to do nowadays. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think it does preclude them, but I think what I would say is I don't think, I don't want to say they're done. That's not what I mean. Oof, I'm yeah, hopefully sound, not. I'm gonna sound like I'm saying they're done. Um, their 40 man roster is full. That does not mean anything. You can you can make moves work, but 
Like I don't, I don't know if Gary Sanchez. I don't, I don't necessarily foresee that. Uh, Trey Mancini's still out there, but I wonder if at the end of the day they were looking at that that price tag and saying, mm-hmm. "Well, we want to give Mervis a shot anyway." Um, it's possible for sure. Like I, I don't know, I don't know if they are done. I think they're not done in in terms of tweaking the roster, but I'm looking more on the bullpen side. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't. There are still some good arms out there. I think they should try to add more offense, though. That's that's well, the, but again, there's. N- not a whole lot available, man. Like Mancini's honestly one of the best hitters left on the market, and that's kind of an indictment of the market a little bit. Yeah, this thing is kind of like it's it's my brain's a pretzel with all of this. It's like <laughs> I think they needed more offense. I thought personally Mancini would have been a better option because he has more power. But if you break down him and Hosmer, they have a similar like like talking about above league average OPS plus. Yep. One of them would have probably cost let's say earnestly 10 million the other yeah. one that you got uh you don't any team that got Hosmer is only have to pay him the league minimum so like and you're right what else is out there I I don't I don't know if they I don't like they have two good defensive catchers now yes. we can talk about we can talk about Tucker Barnhart in a minute yeah so what I don't think they need a third catcher but at the same time do do you think if you got Gary Sanchez like you're you're talking about would he provide something offensively maybe maybe but, well, I mean, that that's that's kind of the same question we've asked about a lot of the guys. But again, we're talking about value positionally and at the plate, too. I think that that might be something worth kicking the tires on. And I, again, I know it's not the sexiest acquisition. It's not going to turn a lot of heads, but at least it would fill some needs and potentially give them the option of another bat that could you know, come around and be pretty solid at the end of the day. I'd say this, sitting here on the first week of January, if I were to forecast out the next six weeks until spring training in my mind's eye I think the position player group is about set barring you know minor league moves Mm -hmm. or if they somehow like I don't I don't foresee a trade but if they were to make a trade like I think from the free agent standpoint like major league free agents it seems like what they have is what it's going to look like and I could be totally wrong I, I am not a genius by any means but I'm looking at the 40-man space, the positional flexibility and what's what you have and thinking who's even out there that would be worthwhile. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't <laughs> It seems like this is what the, this is who they've got and that the, the lineup standpoint and that's what they're going to roll with. That's that to me is why Jose Abreu probably yeah. would have made a ton of sense for them just based on the scarcity in the market and the fact that he's still a really strong hitter. I think missing out on that, not sure how active they were, whether they were offering third year, whatever the case was, it seemed like a tailor-made move and it didn't end up happening and they've had to definitely kind of scramble a little bit to get that first base spot filled so I mean if this is the way the lineup's going to be I'm just warning you not going to be a lot of home runs not going to be a lot of pop in this lineup but at the very least there is some of that in the system and hopefully we'll end up seeing that sooner rather than later at some point like that stuff's kind of still off in the future you have uh, something you have a that's a good point to transition on but I will say just to for the record my understanding on Abreu was they and several other teams were in on for two years. Mm-hmm. The Astros went to three, but the Cubs were not the only team by any means that weren't willing or did not go to three years. Right. Um, I don't think the White Sox were willing to go three years, right? I don't know if the White Sox went anywhere. Mm. <laughs> like, and that to me, I, I, I can't, I'm not saying that with anything I know, but it seemed like from October last series of the year on, that seemed, seemed like they were just like, see you later, which was surprising, I guess, but. <laughs> 
What's the rule on uh, seemingly gratuitous digs on the White Sox on this podcast? Is that allowed? Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm like looking over at the producers right now, making sure I'm not going to get anything thrown at me. Well, when it was Cap Gordon and I, Cap, Cap and Gordon... There, there, well, I just we I didn't realize that Eric Cosmer had a better war last season than Andrew Vaughn, which kind of blew my mind when I saw that. That was pretty. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. And and of course it's because they're both terrible. Def- they had both bad defensive seasons that really hurt that. So just their, like Andrew Vaughn will be better this year, I will say. But just that kind of blew my mind when I saw that. So I get, I don't know if that's gratuitous, but it's there. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a good point. Vaughn, Vaughn was <laughs> Vaughn was an outfielder. They made they try to make him an outfielder, and uh, I think that dragged him down a lot. Yeah, please don't do that again, White Sox. He's a good player. Play him where he needs to be. All right. Well, you said you were talking about offense, and um, you just oh come on, man. <laughs> I had some I had some chips before this. It's all good. Yeah, um, when we were uh, finishing up our interview, we were watching you nosh those down, and I was like, I wonder if that's going to come back to bite him at some point. Tony, Claire, we're going to need an edit on that. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, you were talking about offense, and it got me thinking. Like, I, I wrote about I wrote we, Tucker Barnhart did a introductory media session on Wednesday, and he talked about this this division and like talking to the Cubs if they mapped out their vision for competing and like how long it could take and and what he said you know he talked a lot about run prevention but he also said you know you don't go out and get all these guys Swanson Bellinger if you're not at least trying to trend towards winning and Mm -hmm. I tweeted that quote and a lot of Cubs fans were upset about it but (laughs) he also did say I think we all feel the NL Central Central is a winnable division I said it last week at the or in the last episode I thought that the Cubs yeah 86 yeah (laughs) Tony Gill is gonna hold me to that and if they end up winning 75 he'll never let me live it down so no pressure or anything yes uh well Barnhart too said the way Ross put it to him was the eyes are on competing in the division and in this story I did you know I said there's still questions about them obviously and I said okay what do you get offensively um that is why here's here's my full circle point. I'm finally transitioning <laughs> from your last point. I don't know what I'm. I, the, the The offense is a is a kind of a question mark to me, which is why all these moves to beef up your run prevention matter so much. Mm-hmm. And Tucker Barnhart's the latest in that list, long list of moves. And he brought it up repeatedly in his presser yesterday that with a team that you have guys like Kyle Hendricks potentially and Marcus Stroman, one of the things you want to be able to do is take the pressure off of them that they don't always have to make the perfect pitch because they have a defense behind them that can help them out in that regard and they have a catcher who's going to be able to break a one-two or block a one-two breaking ball in the dirt. He brought that up specifically and that obviously it screams why the Cubs signed him and that's what a lot of the coverage around this has been about but to hear him say it and to validate it I mean that's pretty clearly the vision that this team has kind of operated with as they've built the roster and you you see his numbers over his career he's he is real he's a solid defensive catcher there's no denying that the one thing I will say I was surprised by when I was kind of looking up some stats before the show about him was you know when you look at his stat cast data about how good of a pitch framer he is he had a pretty bad season last year in that regard with the Tigers, which that surprised me. And the fact he was worse at it than Wilson Contreras surprised me even more because there's that's always been the big knock on Wilson is he's not a great pitch framer. So, yeah, that was weird to me. But, yeah, the other stuff, I think that he's, you know, good to better than good at a lot of other aspects of catching. The framing concerns me a little bit. Well, I'll take the word from your mouth and and read off you a quote here. You said bad year, right? 
rough year. From that perspective, yes. He said for me, this is him talking about his year with the Tigers in 2022. I mm-hmm. think for me, I had a bad year. I'll be the first one to tell you, and I don't mind saying that. And he said, but I think when you're in spots where you have to kind of dig yourself out, you learn the most about yourself and learn how to persevere through these situations. By the way, Tucker Barnhart, very good talker. Yeah, he, he, he definitely he, is. That, that very, stood out. Very insightful. Mm-hmm. He did have a bad year defensively. This guy's a two-time gold glove winner. Um, and, and last year, like we're saying, it was one of his worst years. I do wonder if some of the framing or any of the metrics that compared to his career – weren't great. I wonder how much that has to do with the pitching staff he was catching. Very possible, yeah. That, that, that Tigers pitching. The Tigers are bad. Um, Tigers are supposed to be good, and they were bad. It was not. <laughs> That's a, not a breaking news comment. That is very accurate. Yeah, and then that, that pitching staff was not championship caliber. Um, <laughs> to say that. That's so generous put, of you. Put it, put it kindly. <laughs> um, I don't know how much that has to do with it. I think that may have something to do with it. But also, he's owning it himself, so I don't think it was just the pitchers. Like right. He said it himself. I had a bad year. Um, the track record is great, though. Yes. And I think with what they've built here, you have a gold glover at catcher now. Yep. Another one who is a respected veteran. Yep. Gold Glover shortstop. Yep. Gold Glove finalist second baseman. Mm-hmm. Gold Glove right fielder who's been a center fielder for the last few years. Gold Glove left fielder. Guy who won three Gold Gloves in Japan. Um, if you are going to be a team that maybe offensively isn't, you know, top 10, 15 mm-hmm. runs, I don't know. Like last year, I think they were 22nd in runs scored. And and from there, if you, if you look at they scored 50 more runs, they would have been ranked considerably higher. But if you're not that top 15 range, maybe just outside of it, if you can prevent runs, yeah. as Tucker Barnhart said, you will consistently be in games. Yep. There was, a, there was a lot of games last year, I feel like, first half mm. before the All-Star break. They pitched well after the All-Star break. First half, they were, they were getting blown out a lot. <laughs> That's true. And and obviously, you brought up the fact that they had trouble scoring runs last year. If they had scored more, they would have been better. Not like they've added a ton of offense this offseason, unfortunately. They did add Dansby Swanson, but they lost Wilson Contreras. So the the prevention the prevention of runs is going to be very important to this team, both because of that and because of the fact when you get rid of the shift and you're not able to kind of game plan defensively, you need guys with better range, with better arms. And it seems like they've added some key guys in those positions. We've mentioned before, I think Seiya Suzuki is going to have a better season this coming year as he's adjusting to baseball in the United States. I think that he'll have a better defensive season. Ian Happ's really strong in left field, too. I think that the ingredients are there to make this team better defensively and to prevent more runs. And they've added more pitching, too. They did add Jamison Tyon. They have Drew Smiley back in the fold. Justin Steele had a strong season last year. Like, the pieces are there to win with defense and with pitching, yeah, I just there there's still like some moderate like modest concerns in that area including at third base which I'm not sure who your best defensive third baseman is right now, but that is a topic for another time. I just wanted to express my concern about the framing. You brought up a very good point, however, about the fact that the Tiger pitching staff probably did not do him any favors. <laughs> well, you know this this team like I'll I'll say like Steele had a great year. He has to obviously back it up. There's like mm-hmm. Suzuki 
showed promise, and he said he pretty much vowed to be better this year and be more prepared. I'm fascinated to see how he ends up playing in the World Baseball Classic and whether that has a positive or a kind of detrimental effect to him early in the season uh, once he comes back to the Cubs during the spring. Yeah, he's not, but he's obviously got something to prove. Like, Nico had a great year and, and you know, stayed healthy for – outside of a freak injury with an umpire and then something late in the season. But, yep. you know, he still has to – you want to see another good year from him. There's a lot of give and take to me um, with this offseason and what they've done. Um, on the one hand, we we've, we've keep saying it, the defense has been significantly improved. You add a, a – you know, not a Verlander tier starting pitcher from free agency, but a, a pretty damn good one on the, that next tier. Uh, you brought back Smiley, your rotation – that was third in MLB and uh, ERA after the All-Star break. Everyone's mm-hmm. back but Wade Miley, who's now a brewer, by the way. <laughs> and will probably kill the Cubs because that's always inevitably what happens with a thing like that. Hey, man, it'll be quick games if, if, if he's pitching. <laughs> that's true, and I respect that about him. <laughs> so, like, you, you've got you've – made, you've made a lot of moves pitching. Pitching and defensive moves have been promising. The take I'll take, though, is offensively, like we're talking here, what do you have? Uh, I don't that that's a that's a bad way to put it. Uh, no, I think it's a, actually a pretty blunt way of putting it's what too is blunt. a I don't serious mean, concern, man. I don't want to say it's too serious. I don't mean too blunt. I more just mean like between those two sides of the coin, you know, their identity right now is clearly more the pitching run prevention, which is great. Mm-hmm. You can win games that way. Cleveland showed that last year with the young scrappy team. Yeah. Um, but I'll go back to October and in the season, Jed Hoyer was talking about. Uh, you know, kind of like power was down. So the strikeouts were down last year, but so was their power. And he's put, that's what he said, best teams in baseball blow people out. One-run games are always going to center around 500. That's a baseball truism. One-run games are generally a 50-50 proposition, sometimes a little better if you have a great bullpen. But great teams blow people out. Mm. That's, I think, as we think about where we want to be eventually, that is a big focus. Okay, well... <laughs> Was this, that a little bit of misdirection, maybe, based on what the moves they've made this offseason? I don't think so. Like, here's the thing. Like, Dansby Swanson, two, two pretty – his best two years of his career offensively. So, you you have that. Yeah. Cody, If Cody Bellinger – we talked the other day, I think, right? If he bounces back, you, that's, that's huge. I think the health of the shoulder has so much to do with that, and it seems like he's trending in the right direction. So, the hope would be, yeah, he's going to re- – he's never – I don't think he'll ever be at that MVP level. I think that is – unreasonable but I think it's reasonable for him to fall short of that but to be a much improved player now that he's getting healthier right so like I think they did some nice stuff offensively but we talked at the top about a Brayu at first base mm-hmm. I don't want to say Correa because Correa is a whole mess of crap hey he's right still now. out there technically man you you think Scott Boris called the Cubs like hey you know you might want a third baseman potentially you want to uh, cut toss him some money wave that physical a little bit <laughs> I don't think the Cubs do that. I, highly, I strongly <laughs> doubt that they do that, but hey, you never know. Yeah. Baseball's I, weird. I think like offensively going into the offseason, if you talk about moves that would have been the most impactful, it would have been someone like Abreu. Yeah. Offensively, the other three guys we talk all the time about longer track records offensively. They did some nice things. Um, maybe not the moves that would have moved the needle uh, on paper the furthest, but like I think they're better. I think this this is not a finished product, and mm-hmm. this is a team that is still very much, you know, I guess, 
they're still on that ascendancy and they're very clearly building more to 2024 and 2025, even though they did sign guys for the short term. When you look at their system, like that's kind of the arrival date of your PCAs, your Canarios and guys like that. And I think that that's important to remember too. Those guys will add some boosts to the lineup when they get here as well. Yeah. So I guess my whole point is you're saying like, what we're saying? Like, I think they, I, I wrote about this. And I, I, I tweeted one of the Barnhart quotes, and, and so I said people are upset, like trending towards winning, and they're like trending people, towards People are upset on Twitter. I never would have thought. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good measuring stick. But, like, I can say this about what they've done. Like, it at least shows they're, they're serious about trying to win or competing, trying to compete. Yeah. And they did more for that than a year prior. Whether it's enough, like the Cardinals are still the favorite in this division, but... I think they're more interesting on paper and more competitive looking. Well, definitely. And especially compared to the rest of the division, like what have the reds and the pirates done that kind of makes you think that they're even going to be remotely competitive this year. Those are still big time works in progress. The only team that I keep coming back to is the brewers. And I just, I, I don't know what to make of them ever. They're, they're, they're such a weird team. Like, you always think, like, yeah, this is finally going to be the time. They're going to kind of drop back to earth or whatever. And then they pull random dude out of the minors, sign a dude to a random free agent contract, and win 88 games. Like, I, I honestly, it's so tough to pin them down right now. That, that's the team to me that the Cubs need to be focused on the most is getting ahead of Milwaukee. I think that St. Louis, that'll take care of itself. I think the Cardinals should be the favorites in the Central. It's the Brewers that I'm keeping a really sharp eye on. I love this Barnhart quote yesterday and this week. The Cardinals are going to be good. The Brewers are going to be good. And it's obvious where the Reds and Pirates are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, he's got a lot of experience with uh, one of those teams for sure. He knows what's up. Right. I think the Brewers, I think Wade Miley might, I could be wrong. Maybe they, maybe they signed someone when I wasn't looking, but Wade Miley might be the first big league free agent they signed this winter. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he, I think he might be right about that. Right. Uh, they've made some, they've made trades though, haven't they? I got William Contreras now. Oh. Wilson's brother. Ah, uh, yes, they did get him. And that was in the Murphy trade, right? Mm hmm. Uh, speaking of uh, Sean Murphy, he was one of the top pitch framers in baseball last year. He got a pretty team-friendly extension, I will say. Yeah, well, that's the Braves for you. They'll sign everybody to team-friendly deals. Right. <laughs> All right, I think uh, maybe wrap it up here I, on this last, last topic. Oh, oh, obligatory Rafael Devers extension oh, Lord. Yeah. talk. or uh, Seems like it's near-completed extension yeah. with Boston. Um, I'm so beyond devastated. I thought the Cubs <laughs> had a real shot at him. Yeah, it, it, he has been a hot name on the inner the Cubs interwebs um, ever since Rafael, or not Rafael Devers. Ever since Xander Bogarts. Yep. Ever since the the Red Sox completely fumbled that one. Yep. And he went to San Diego. Um, I think I think a lot of people saw Rafael Devers after that, and they assumed that they were the Red Sox. Who mind you. They haven't always shown it recently. They are a big market team. They, they yeah, they, little, they won a World Series fairly recently. Yeah, they went to the World's. They went to the ALCS in twenty twenty one, if I'm not mistaken, right. too. Yeah. So, in spite of all the Red Sox fumbling <laughs> of the uh, the bag with other guys, I don't think they could afford to have let Devers go. But there seemed to be this, uh, I don't want to say overwhelming, but this this sense from the Cubs interwebs that maybe that the Cubs should pounce on this guy mm-hmm. and. There was some disappointment when he re-upped with Boston, reportedly, right? Right. And I don't know if it was 
I don't know if they ever even had the opportunity. I, I think we can start with did. that. I don't think. Yeah. I, I don't. Know if, I don't know if any team did. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Um, I think it was a lot of conjecture with them, quite honestly. And I just I don't think the Cubs ever. It's not like they were approached by the Red Sox and the Red Sox were like, "What do you give us?" And the Cubs lowballed them, and then the Red Sox were like, "Okay, fine, we'll give the the dude three hundred million dollars." Like that. That kind of narrative to me doesn't make sense. I don't think that's what happened. Right. Like I said here, you guys remember this. I was. I was riled up, right? Quote unquote. I, was, <laughs> I said, you can't wait for the best free aid. You can't wait for the best time to sign free agents, right? And there was kind of a similar sentiment on the interwebs saying, um, I love that you use interwebs like you're a grizzled old journalism veteran. This is so funny. I might as well be a grizzled old man. I'm so ornery, um, <laughs> angry all the time. Uh, there, there was like, you can't, you, people were saying when good players are available, you have to get them. And I agree with that. Duh, I'm 100% yeah. on board. Yeah. But I don't know if he was actually, I don't think he was that's available. My, that's my thinking is I'm not sure just how available he was. I will say. Um, He's going to say they should trade for Shohei Otani. Just wait, just wait. I don't even think that they should do that. I, I think you should. I don't think the Angels will trade Otani, so I'm just, I'm just getting that. $500 million check ready to go for next winter. <laughs> Fortunately, it's not your money. It's not my money. It's just so easy to do that. I don't even own a checkbook. I don't know how to write a check, oh by the way. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to write a check. Um, look, next time, I, I don't – this is kind of an interesting time for the Cubs. I don't think you cling to prospects um, by any means. Yeah. Next time – a disgruntled, I don't know if Devers was disgruntled, but there will be a disgruntled star or something, contracts break down. The Cubs should always be picking up the phone at this stage of their process, rebuild, and when those guys are out there. I don't know when the next one's going to be. I don't know if this was... I don't I don't think Devers was in that, that category. Um, I don't know when the right time to trade prospects is, if ever. No, no let me rephrase it. I don't know if there's ever right time to trade prospects, but you by, by no means should you hold on to prospects, I guess. Uh, Brian Reynolds is disgruntled. Would you try to go after him from the Pirates? I know they, I know they kind of would have a glut in the outfield then, but still a pretty impressive bat and fits your bill of being disgruntled. I heard, I saw in reports. It seems like they're just asking for something crazy for him. And I'm not saying he's a, he's a great player. He, he was an All Star. He was he was got MVP votes, down ballot MVP votes in yeah. 2021. But it seemed like they were they were just asking for the moon for him and. No thanks, especially uh, <laughs> especially because you're in the division and you have a lot of outfield prospects. Which again, prospects yeah, yeah are they still do, prospects. they do. And we we brought up Brennan Davis the other day. Everybody kind of seems to forget about him. Like he realistically could be on the Cubs at some point in 2023. So right, don't don't forget that part of it. But yeah, I I was just agony on a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my whole point in saying this was. I thought I thought we should talk about Devers. Like he was obviously interested. Interesting name. Yeah. I, I think your your ultimate point was that Cub fans who are genuinely disappointed they didn't get him, he probably wasn't available anyway. Just chill, everybody. It's okay. Spring training's almost here. Let's relax. I, I will say, I'm with all of you, all you listeners and fans. Like, when good players like that are available, you should be picking up As the opposed phone. to when they're not available and then you just don't call. Like, it, uh, it almost seems like a weird cliche to even say, if good players are available, it's like, well, yeah, when else are you going to try to sign them? <laughs> yeah, I should make clear too. I have no. I, I'm just speculating here. I don't know okay. if any team picked up the phone and and called about him. I can't, I can't say that about the Cubs. I have no. Let's get in- Jeff passing on the Horn Hill now. Yeah. <laughs> I have no insider knowledge here. I'm just saying, like, it didn't seem like he was. Okay, up. all right. Well, I don't, like I said, I don't know. Like, this yeah, one. it didn't seem like it, but 
yeah, we could be wrong. Who knows? I'm just rambling now. Let's put a wrap on it. Uh, <laughs> this, this, will, this will be great YouTube content here. Just, just, just like, <laughs> Tim, Tim uh, thinks about things out loud for 10 minutes. This is my, <laughs> the, this is my mind. Um, all right. That's a wrap on this edition of the Cubs Talk podcast, NBC Sports Chicago production, NBCSportsChicago.com. That's James, Claire, Tony. I'm Tim. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for watching and listening. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.